Are listening to another episode of How to Rock Virtual Engagements, brought to you by Jabba.io. I'm your host, Alistair Davis. So why am I doing a podcast on virtual engagements? Well, effective virtual engagements can increase your quality of life and significantly improve your income. This has happened to me, and I want to share all these virtual tips and tricks from experts around the world with you. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of How to Rock Virtual Engagements. I'm your host, Alistair Davis, and today we have a local from Cape Town, Dr. Anna-Marie Lombard. She's the founder and CEO and thought leader of Sensory Intelligence Consulting. She has a PhD in healthcare slash commerce, over 30 years of experience, and a fun fact, she loves earrings. Her current job title is business entrepreneur, or she is sometimes a crazy maverick, depends on <laughs> what, which day of the week it is. But welcome, Anna-Marie. Now, great to be here, Alistair. Thanks for inviting me. Always happy and keen and passionate about sharing my view on the world and the work that we do, obviously. Okay. So how many pairs of earrings do you have? <laughs> I don't think I should say that out loud. Many. <laughs> Many. Okay. But I, I, I always associate them with either a place that I visited or uh, someone special in my life or a big event. Um, so I'm not really a jewelry person. I don't wear any other jewelry, but I love, love earrings. And yeah, at the day that I handed in my PhD, those are my PhD earrings. And the day where I feel I need to feel wise and clever, then I put those earrings on. So it helps a little bit. Yeah. So it's just a bit of fun fact. So, but, you know, we all have our quirks. Yeah. We all are different interesting. So, yeah, that's, uh, I've got quite a few more, but I think that's the one that we'll stick with. Okay. Okay. And you did your PhD in healthcare slash commerce. What was your dissertation on? Now, why put it healthcare slash commerce? I think it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. I'm quite a tough person and I can do a lot, but having to, to do that PhD was quite difficult. I did it. Uh, I'm an occupational therapist, so it was actually a, a PhD in occupational therapy, but I was doing this study in a commercial industry in a call center. So my world is around sensory intelligence and understanding your sensory profile. So what I did is I tested sensory thresholds and how would that predict performance, absenteeism and attrition in a call center industry? Um, you know, I was just looking at that space and thinking, how in the world would people be able to just stay focused there? Yeah. And what we know about sensory profiling and sensory thresholds, some people are more sensitive. They would absolutely die working in a call center and others would absolutely love it. But what was difficult because... Healthcare didn't really get my commercial slant to it. And I think every time when I stepped into commerce, they were like as if I was from Mars. You know, what yeah. the hell are you talking about? So I think it was two very opposing different worlds that I had to blend together. Mm -hmm. And it's never been done before. So I think that in itself was really, really interesting, uh, but also difficult. But, you know, it led me on certain journeys and certain paths in my career, which I 
possibly never would have gotten to if I didn't take on that 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 role or that path. But you know, needless to say, that my thesis was the impact of sensory processing on work performance of call center agents in a South African context. Um, yeah, so that's and I got my PhD <laughs> in 2012. I'll never do that again. Just <laughs> the hardest thing that I've ever done. Well, you've studied enough for both of us, so uh, I'll exactly, I'll leave that to you. Exactly. Yeah, I always say I've written a book as well. I'll write five more books anytime. I'll write 10 more books. But another PhD? No, don't think so. No, go there again. <laughs> Got the T-shirt, move on to the next thing, yes. Okay. And speaking of the next thing, you your business is around sens sensory intelligence. Talk to us a little bit about what that is and how applicable is that to the current situation for those okay. that are listening to this podcast? Exactly. Sensory intelligence is a self-awareness tool. It's a little bit like, you know, emotional intelligence or intelligence per se. Sensory intelligence is understanding your senses and we have seven senses and how do they impact the way that we interact and navigate our world because we see, we hear, we taste, we smell, uh, we touch, and then we also use our movement senses, these two senses for the movement. And that helps us to navigate our day-to-day -day living and our day-to-day -day behavior. So every action that you do is because your brain has received a sensory stimulation which triggers your actions within your brain. Mm -hmm. So it's really fundamentally about brain behavior and day-to-day -day behavior and three particular things on attention, emotion, and obviously how we behave. Uh, traditionally in our world, this was used with learning and development with children, and that was my old life. And I just positioned that into an adult space where we use it for personal development, learning, and understanding yourself. Why it's so absolutely relevant currently because we've got this huge dichotomy with COVID and lockdown where we've got an overload in our information senses. Everything that we are currently doing is running through your eyes and your ears. You're sitting behind a computer screen and you've got a pair of headsets on or choose not to have headsets on. But those are the two channels that we are primarily using. And then we've got social distancing. So we've got sensory overload in visual and auditory. Then we have social distancing and restricted movement and lockdown, which immediately means our typical engagement with the world, our social connections, our friends going out, socializing, that has been compromised significantly. Mm -hmm. And we rely, we always say the touchings is our primary social sense. So we rely on connection with others. It's the way that we socialize. It also helps us with nurturing. It also makes us feel safe and secure in our day-to-day -day environments. So we are uh, essentially deprived, definitely from a touch point of view. Visual, uh, smell and taste is not that significant. And then the other one is movement. We are sitting and sitting and sitting. Thank goodness for a standing desk. That helps a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and we used to say sitting is the new smoking. So what is inevitably happening, because we're not moving around, um, we are actually overloaded in some of our senses and deprived in some of our other senses, which really makes us feel more tired, more fatigued. I have people who's reporting a little bit of memory loss, headaches, uh, we're picking up weight. Uh, we've got much, much, much more fatigue, loss of energy because this day-to-day -day 
nuance and ebb and flow of modulating your life through your senses is not really happening. I mean, traditionally, if you would work in an office, you would get up, you would have a chat at your, at your colleague's desk, you would walk to the kitchen, you come back, you work at your desk, you're behind your screen, you've got a meeting, boardroom, you know, but whatever your life is all about, it, we, don't, we don't sit behind a screen all day, all day long. So that's definitely thrown in a part of whacking our brain in very, very different ways. And we're using it, you know, we all are becoming zoomies, which is really true. Uh, we're getting tired uh, and our energy is definitely more impacted as a result. Okay. Yeah, I've had a lot of friends who work in large multinationals and also for themselves saying that they feel tired and drained at the end of the day because they're going from one meeting to the next, one virtual call, one virtual meeting from you know one after the other and how exactly. how can you mitigate this how can you let's say that you're still in lockdown let's say you're a home worker or a virtual worker and you do this anyway how mm-hmm. how can you mitigate and you know give your senses a break yeah one of the easiest fastest quickest things is you've got to take movement breaks as much as you possibly can and for that your water bottle is your best friend, absolutely your best friend. So I, and I do that every day, I actually fill my water bottle and I put it right next to my desk. And I drink my water because by drinking water, I'm actually hydrating my brain, which is good. And then obviously my bladder gets full. And yep. then I need to get up and I need to go to the bathroom. So taking regular movement breaks is a way to absolutely reset, recharge, and we actually call it self-regulate. You regulate your brain and you bring your attention back to base. So that is number one. It's easy. We've got it all accessible. And what, what I'm currently doing, we've got a double story house. My office is in the, in, the, in the lower part. So I've decided now every time when I need to go to the bathroom, I actually walk up my stairs and go to my bathroom in my room instead of using the bathroom downstairs okay. just to give me that added as a physical activity. And then I'm a runner, uh, but I'm a kind of a lazy runner and I don't want to run every day. I don't like this routine, but I've actually started to force myself to do physical exercise every day. Mm-hmm. But when you're behind your desk, you need to take breaks. Another great thing is a standing desk to use intermittent postures that you don't just keep on sitting, that you stand and then you sit and then you stand and then you sit. So if you can also have a variety of working areas, that's also great because it shifts your gaze. It gives you a little bit of different background. So, but taking those stretch breaks is definitely, definitely number one, definitely number one. Yeah, Um, yeah. we've got a whole workshop where we take people through it. Some of the other key things is just, you know, choose the right pair of headsets or earphones, you know, what works for you. Um, Some people like to have earbuds, headsets that actually fits within the ear. Other people prefer to have the bigger ones, you know, that sits outside of your ear. And some people prefer to not work with headsets. I, for instance, don't like to put a headset on. It feels like my world is caving in more it amplifies the noise into my brain. So I mm. think you've got to choose what works for you. And then just uh, distraction-free is important. That helps the brain to navigate easier. Because remember, everything that you see and hear around you, the brain has to give attention to it. Mm-hmm. So by at least creating less distractions, you take away all the background noise for your brain that the brain then 
has got less energy that's being sapped into all the external distractions. And the same thing for visual. Are you using correct lighting? Because proper lighting is going to be easier on your eyes. If you have natural lighting or open your, your, your blind so that you've got natural lighting coming in, natural lighting is very important. And declutter your desktop. Yeah. Every time when you need to navigate through all the clutter on your desktop, it actually puts more effort and energy into your visual processing pathway. So there's lots of ways, small, tiny, little, very doable things that we can do to make it easier. And then I think you've hit the nail on the head. For heaven's sake, you can't work 12 hours nonstop behind a PC like you would, I don't know, traditionally do at the office. Mm-hmm. And meeting shouldn't be run right after the other. You have to have a break between every meeting, you know, and have shorter meetings and do meetings when they need it, not when you talk rubbish and you go on and there's not not anything that's getting done. I just think, you know, organizations can be quite guilty in having endless meetings and including people that doesn't necessarily need to be there and not necessarily getting to the point. Yeah. Um, I also think, you know, while Zoom is brilliant, sometimes maybe just pick up the phone and yeah. phone um, and also switch off your, some of us actually, if you can, switch off your camera uh, because then you can shift your gaze or move around without the rest of your audience checking mm-hmm. you out and see, ooh, that person isn't focusing or whatever. Sometimes we need to just, you know, look away or change your gaze or change your position. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do is I have a, a Bluetooth headset, uh, this one, which is, yeah. uh, it's a Jabra Evolve 75, which I love. It's got noise cancellation on the earbuds and it's got noise cancellation on the mic, but it's got a very nice range from my mobile phone. So if somebody calls and my laptop, so I can be 20 meters away from my laptop and 20 meters away from my phone. So when people call me, I get up and I walk around. Awesome. I like to awesome. I, I like to walk and talk. So I walk, talk, and so there's there's a bit of you know physical movement in the way that I speak, and it comes through in the tones. The tone is better. I'm moving, and so that's my kind of little ninja tip that I that I do. Uh, okay, and, and that's a brilliant ninja tip, Alistair, because that's utilizing absolutely core fundamental brain science. If you move and you talk you actually re-energize and reactivate your, your brain energy. So it is a perfect way to actually stay regulated okay. um, and to actually optimize your, well, we call it your alert level in your brain, your arousal level in your brain. Yeah. So that just keeps your, your brain activity at peak so that you sound engaging and you actually come across as a lot more positive. So, yeah. And we do know that. I mean, it's a little bit of your world and not mine. Um, there's a lot of guys who make more sales if they walk yeah. and sell on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so that, that's, a, that's a great way to do it. Well done. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what I want to ask you as well is I've just discovered, well, I did a, a podcast interview with a, a gamer and he was talking about special glasses that uh, he wears for uh, to help him with screen glare. So that's the one question. Do those work? And then secondly, um, at night when you're, let's say you're in bed or you're at your desk working on your laptop, you know, dark mode on the screen, does that have, how does that affect melatonin and serotonin and all of yeah. those, those yeah. things to your brain? Talk to me a bit about that. 
Okay, brilliant, because then that's moving into the visual space, obviously, in your eyes. Firstly, I mean, and the one thing that we're also seeing now is, you know, the, the, the wellness component to this. We're now talking one thing about just being productive, but there's another element to it, which is just our mental health and well-being in this stage, which is obviously seriously at risk here. So you need good, proper, full-on sleep. So try, for heaven's sake, not to be on your phone or your laptop before you go to bed because that blue light of your phone and your laptop actually does increase the alertness of your brain through, through all the neurons and the pathways that it works. So it's definitely contraindicated for good sleep. So you shouldn't be working on your laptop just before you go to bed. You uh, should have at least an hour off before, so then rather go for a book or, um, you know, read something. So definitely yeah. the light in the background on your computer screen will have an impact on your alert levels as well. So, um, you know, I haven't obviously experimented with it, but if you've got a darker background, darkness actually calms the brain. Lightness alert the brain. If we mm. look at the, there's an there's a area of the brain called the reticular activating system. And depending on the type of stimulation that goes through your brain, it will either elevate your arousal or reduce your arousal. Also, that's why we switch the light off at night if we want to sleep, because that brings your arousal level down in your brain and prepares your body for sleep. If you switch the light on, we will wake up because the light actually activates alertness in the brain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I know a lot of uh, coders and obviously, you know, um, I might be giving my age away here. I'm not so much into the gaming group, but I know coders in particularly, which is very similar, use a lot more darker background um, because that actually has got more of a calming impact on the brain. And then also play around with uh, the color of your screen and your, your, your font, what color is your font. So changing those settings to darker is definitely going to alleviate the stress on your brain. The glasses, um, there is definitely, ugh, and I haven't looked at that new research in a long time now, but actually using particular glasses to also help to alleviate glare and eye strain is definitely also something that one can use. But we also believe uh, people are quite diverse, so we're very different. So, And we do profiling people for a living as well. So I would have two people with exactly the same level of sensitivity for the visual system, but one really use a pair of glasses very well and the other, for the other one it doesn't work. So there's still that level of uniqueness in the brain. Um, so just minimizing glare and minimizing bright light will definitely calm uh, the brain and create less uh, fatigue for sure. Okay. And in terms of profiling, let's say you're a person living in Denmark and you work for a multinational and you are feeling fatigued or zoombified or whatever fied, how can they get profiled by you or by anybody else in terms of their sensory assessment? Okay, yeah, so, so that, that's a little bit of the positive spin for me on lockdown. We obviously have got online profiling. So on our website, we've got a free quiz. Anyone who just wants to fool around with it and see how it works. So there's a free quiz, which is a 15 questions. But then we have a full comprehensive online, uh, we call it, it's, our, it's the Century Matrix. So people can go onto our website, which is centuryintelligence.com, complete 
the online, the online century style questionnaire, and then they will get a 26 page report, which will give them really, really uh, lots of results on what each system, how each system work, are they sensitive or are they more seeking, and then also provide them with very, very particular feedback and results on how to utilize that insight. Okay. And it's the practical, easy stuff that you do day to day. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and in terms of the bottom line, how does that impact on productivity, on happiness? Do you have any empirical research data, feedback from people doing your assessments online? No, we obviously do. We, we work a lot with, so we've, we've got business to consumers. So we do work with consumers doing profiles and we work online coaching with them. Um, and we also host online training for people. And then we also have business to business. We, we work with groups of people, whether it is we want to uh, improve open plan office productivity or, um, you know, um, team relationship within an office space. Uh, we often work with those open plan office etiquette or how do we use the century awareness from a health and well-being point of view. You know, and when uh, we look at data, obviously, we, for instance, work with a call centre uh, quite some time ago. They were about to get uh, kicked. They had an outsource, a group that they wanted to outsource their call centre um, process of that particular business. So I actually went in, we looked at their space, the profiling, and we taught them how to self-regulate and how to optimize the immediate workspace. Uh, we also use a lot of what we call century economics. In other words, are you seated in the right space? Is your, do you need to change your desktop? So we look at the really easy changes we can do. The first call resolution for that group was 34%. Um, after we've done that intervention for them, their first calls resolution went up to 72%. And even three months later, it went even further up to 82%. So there's some real significant impact on productivity in the bottom line. Um, yeah, and we obviously do uh, value propositions and we do case study calculations with all of our clients to show small things matter in my world. And it's often the stuff right in front of us. It's quite simple. It's straightforward. It's easy. Uh, like I remember, we worked with a client many, many years ago, um, HR of a big multinational. Um, and we did a, a leadership development group uh, session for them. Um, and four years later, I walked into this HR manager's office and he said, Anna Marie, the day after your workshop, I actually turned my ringer off on my cell phone and I built 15 minutes in between all my meetings on a day-to-day -day basis. And my life has changed and it's, I'm still doing that. So those are the practical, simple and easy stuff that we provide people to understand who you are, how to optimize your own day-to-day uh, -day productivity based around your senses and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And it's quite fundamental and different. So, yeah, hopefully, okay. hopefully that answers some of your questions. No, no, no that, that's perfect. That's perfect. And in terms of, um, I'm just conscious of time now, let's say a typical virtual home user who's just been through lockdown, is in lockdown, is quite Zoomified or works for a company which goes from one virtual meeting to the next, what would be your top four tips for that person to give their senses a break or to mm. find a, or build a new reality in this respect. Yeah. 
Top four tips, number one is, number one is you gotta take movement breaks. Movement breaks is critical, easy, accessible. Sitting is the new smoking, and it's never been true there now. So please get your butt up from your chair, move, move, move. It's critical. That's number one. Number two, you've got to schedule. We've got to, we've got to get our head around scheduling these things differently. You can't sit and go from meeting to meeting to meeting. You've got to bring in breaks in between. That's very, very, very important. Um, number three, you need to actually then look at how your visual and your auditory input and your and your tools look at your headset look at your desktop how can you order your space so that at least the amount of visual and auditory input that you get in is not too overloaded mm-hmm. and then fourthly um we got to just take care of ourselves from a lifestyle point of view we have to be able to move away from your screen and your desk and do the stuff that you like um, and I know we've got lockdown and I know we've got social distancing, but hang on to something that you love doing um, and make sure you do that regularly, not once a month. Once a week is also not quite enough, you know, like find something daily that you enjoy. Uh, so, for instance, I'm forcing myself now to go for a run every day. That's a little bit of my meditation. I'm not a meditator. I can't. I've tried given up on myself I don't have the meditation profile but I run and then I build puzzles <laughs> believe it or not I've got a big table upstairs and then I go and I just mindlessly and often I pour myself a glass of wine and I would stand actually at my desk and I would I'm standing I'm not sitting okay. and I build my puzzle so we have to find that balance for ourselves because digital is going to be the new norm Mm-hmm. Fortunately, unfortunately, I think it brings opportunity, but also danger. And we need to be very mindful of how do we take care of our brains and our bodies. Okay. And our minds. And our minds. Perfect. Perfect. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, Anna Marie, all on our website, yeah, www.centuryintelligence.com. So please go onto our website. We have a shop. You can do your online uh, Century Matrix profile. We run online workshops. We do a workshop on digital fatigue. We also have a workshop on remote working, how to set up the right remote working. And then we also have a workshop on seven wellness steps to cope with uh, with all this change. Uh, so that's our business to consumer uh, services. And then we obviously also like to go internal for a client and we would run similar workshops in a journey or in a more comprehensive way for a whole group of staff yeah. to you know, base around what that particular client would need. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks very much for your time, for your, for your knowledge. I think what you've given us or what we've spoken about is definitely very valuable. A lot of people are struggling with this and I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely timely and hopefully they can apply some of this and get get their mental sanity back. Thank you very much. Exactly. It's a big pleasure, Alistair. Keep up the good work and thanks everyone for listening and stay safe and take good care of yourself. That's the only body that you have. So make sure you you nurture it. Thanks, Anna-Marie. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, please listen on any one of your favorite podcasting channels like iTunes, Spotify, or Anchor.fm. If you would like to be interviewed or need more information, please email me at alistair at jabber.io. That's A-L-I-S-T-A-I-R 
at jabba.io. Cheers. Mm-hmm.